0: What's up, everybody? Welcome to a Wednesday edition of Texans All Access. John Harris alongside the voice of the Texans, Mark Vandermeer. Mark, it was OTA Wednesday. We had a chance to be out there, sweat a little bit. We'll get into your thoughts in just a second, but how you doing, my man?
1: I'm doing great, and I love being out there today. I love watching them practice, no matter what time of year it is. You know this, Johnny. I like watching them operate, this new coaching staff, the energy around them, and Any time, look, we've seen a few new coaching staffs (laughs) lately, okay? Unfortunately, two years ago, new staff. Last year, relatively new staff. But this is different. This has a different vibe to it. Some of the guys remain the same. You have Jacques Cesaire out there, who was there last year, the defensive line coach. And we're going to catch up with Chris Strasser in a bit here. But... There's just something about it. Watching D'Amico operate with the entire staff squad, and then get down to some individual work with people—that's one of the treats of being out there and being able to observe up close.
0: Yeah, no doubt. You mentioned Chris Strauss, You're going to join us uh, in the show in our next segment. We got to get our observations. I mean, obviously, people know I've been writing observations for a long time. They've they changed names. Um, we kind of uh gave it a different name. Harris, Harris Hits. It went to went into witness protection program as Harris Hits, but it really is observations. So we're gonna get those in a second. Drew Dory's gonna be by in a little while to do a little in the lab as well. I imagine we'll talk about OTAs as well. Um excited to talk to coach um, about the offensive line and just the process. And I always love meeting new coaches, so that's gonna be that's gonna be cool. But our takeaways, our observations from OTA practice, I guess what number two for us to watch, I think two second week. Um, your thoughts first, first observation, I'll leave for you.
1: Well, everybody's talking about CJ Stroud. And I think that you're seeing some ascension here, right? You're seeing him get better each time you see him out there and that's good. That's what you want to see. You want to see this improvement. I think that, you know, somebody asked me yesterday, who's looking better right now, Mills or Stroud. And I thought, look, Davis has been in the league. This is his third year, 25 starts under his belt. I think it's steady as she goes. Mm-hmm. I see some real spike plays from C.J. Stroud. Wow, look at that throw. Look at that throw. And to see the improvement, it's fun to watch, like I said. And we'll see where it goes. We're only in week two of OTAs here. Full squad, working out together, veterans, rookies. But so far, so good with him. And then you look at the energy on defense. We talked about the personnel last night. To see all these guys operate together, I'm really optimistic about what they're going to be able to do. What do I always say, though? What did I say the last two years? I think the last two years, the defense was a little bit better than their numbers would indicate. It's just that the offense couldn't hold on to the ball, score, yep. put pressure on the opponent, that kind of thing. And by put pressure, I mean score. Right. Score some points to make the opponent have to throw the football, have to do some things, and then you can get after them a, a little bit better. I think this year's team will be able to do much more of that and improve greatly.
0: I think watching rookies progress from one week to the next is it'll be my first observation and I'm focusing mainly on the wide receivers because it is it's a good point as we were told so often it's it's a passing camp it's a passing camp I still think for the offensive line and defensive line this is a really important time because you're installing new systems or at least new verbiage on both sides of the ball so it's important that you go through all that process but we know the physical part up front isn't isn't there no popping of pads any of that so you gotta focus on the, the pass catchers the dbs and those things to watch Xavier Hutchinson last week at OTAs and watch him this week at OTAs wow last week I felt like I was watching maybe freshman year Xavier Hutchinson at Iowa State today I felt like I was watching at least junior senior year Xavier Hutchinson where he was the best receiver maybe arguably the best offensive player in the Big 12 outside of Bijan Robinson and he was fantastic. He made a couple of catches. There was one that he made where he had to go low to get it. And it's one of those where, as you're going low, you know, a lot of guys will kind of cradle it and get underneath it. Yeah. And there's always like, oh, did he catch it? Did he not? He literally caught it, had it in his hands. So when he turned on the ground and hit the ground, he had the ball in his hand. It was basically like he was showing the ref he had the ball. <laughs> and yeah. I was like, yo, know how hard that is? Yeah, you know how hard that is, especially for a guy that's six three to make that catch. Uh, Jared Wayne made one heck of a catch down the sidelines. Um, it was, but the, those two rookies in particular, and obviously Tank, uh, it continues to be you know kind of a pest for the defense. He just was busy today. areas where he can get to Mark that other guys just can't because he's just so explosive. So he that to me was kind of you know one of my major observations how the the rookie receivers seem to be I don't know settling in is the right word but they're really kind of showing that they belong whereas week one you kind of could see I mean you you couldn't see it but you could kind of feel like man oh boy eyes wide you know bright lights big city sort of thing today it felt like just easing in, just part of the group, just doing their thing. And not
1: only part of the group, but really kind of standing out. Two observations based on what you just said. Hutchinson, if I didn't know anything, and I just walked out there today and you and I got to see a huge Mm -hmm. chunk of this whole thing, I would think, wait, where was this guy drafted? Yeah, Exactly. Because he looks like he should have been drafted a lot higher. Yeah. Now, who knows where it goes? I'm not declaring Marcus Colston right here (laughs) with Xavier Hutchinson. Good one. That's
0: a good comparison,
1: too. But that's what you want. You want to have the lower-round draft choice who shines, turns into a favorite, turns into a real star. And I'm not putting that on him yet. I'm just saying you are absolutely right. Just the eye test of last week to this week, wow. And then in the elite relative to this team – The top shelf, I should say. Let's not use the word elite because that gets misconstrued. The top shelf, don't forget about me guy category, Mm -hmm. Nico Collins. Hello, friends. Nico Collins can catch the football. And what do we always say about Nico? Got to stay healthy. Well, he's healthy right now, and it is definitely noticeable what he can do for your offense. And you mentioned him yesterday as a possibility. That was the chessboard move and the Mm -hmm. three uh, most valuable Texans non-quarterback. And you put that piece on Nico, and then you kind of took it off, thinking, eh, maybe not, but Nico, if he's that healthy, that consistent, he'll be one of the most valuable players on this right. team,
0: right absolutely, I mean, I don't think there's any question to that he's with his body size, his i mean he's not a blazer off the line of scrimmage, but he can fly, yeah, he can really get build up speed going down the field and really really fly so he's as fun to watch to me and fun to kind of keep an eye on in this whole thing but when you think about hutchinson jared wayne nico big guys i mean big targets and not that everybody needs to be a big target but that i thought kind of when you brought nico's like man those guys are all big now tank is the complete opposite of that (laughs) he is the complete opposite um and they have some kind of you know in between as well, but to have physical receivers like that, and, and look, I Jared Wayne was an undrafted free agent. I, I don't know where um, where that goes for him, and even Xavier Hutchinson was a six rounder. I don't want to say you're going to feel like you got free money in your pocket, but Xavier Hutchison turns out and continues to progress like we've been seeing him. That's going to feel like twenty dollars found in your pocket,
1: in you a, in a big big way. You know, when you listen to us and we do the training camp shows, we do these shows during OTAs. It's a ninety man roster we tend to fall in love, at least have flirtation in a football Mm -hmm. sense, with guys on the 90-man roster who probably won't make the team. Not everybody, but a lot of these guys, we get to know them. We're with them in the hallways. We interview them. We see them out on the practice field. So we focus in on these players. And it's important because many of these players tend to be guys who do make the 53-man roster, maybe not right away, but you call them up. They're on the practice squad. They're available when you have injuries, and you're able to bring them aboard. That's why it's important to focus on everybody right now Mm -hmm. this time of year. And this is Texans Radio. This is what we do. Mike Boone, Johnny. Another player I saw making plays today. Running back who's got wheels, can catch the ball, and will. I like him. He's in his fifth season. Yeah, he is. To me, he's an interesting fit in this offense.
0: And we talked about what running back will emerge from the group that is, um, there's Pierce, there's Singletary. What running back, the dokes, the boons, the, um, who am I missing them? Um, uh, validay you know, yeah. who of that group stands out? and becomes that number 3 guy. Darry Daria's been that guy. He was that guy last year. I felt like i always feel like Darry slept on. I just kind of feel that way. He's so solid. But Mike Boone, watch him today because from week 1, I don't remember seeing him. I don't know if he was just rehabbing or or just not available or what it was. But he was more than present on Wednesday.
1: More impossible than not presence. to notice, guy. Yes. He's the he impossible fits in
0: that category for sure. And the one thing that I really liked today was seeing how often the running backs were utilized not on check downs Mm. not on just swing routes i mean down the field and other areas where you don't always expect running backs to be able to win routes to get to to be a be a pass catcher there were there were three that i can think of
1: during the day downfield down the field right and Guess what? We always talk about how hard it is to cover a running back. You know where it's really hard or harder? Downfield. Yes, downfield. When they start to get a little bit more speed Mm -hmm. and you design something really good for them, there are a lot of possibilities in this offense for that kind of thing. We've all seen San Francisco. Look, that's our only comparison right now in the whole Kubiak and Shanahan history. We get it. But Bobby Slowick is going to bring a little bit of that and everything else to what this offense will become. Yeah. I'm ex. I start watching this
0: offense, and I, I try and stop myself from getting really, really excited because we haven't seen what the run game is gonna gonna be at all. Mm-hmm. We we have we we have an idea, and you see some of the the sh- the
1: Shan. What is uh, Seth call it? The Kube- Kub- Shanahan or something? I call it Kubiaki Yeah, and I I, I, I f- don't put the Shanahan name in there. I probably should. Look, this all goes back to Bill Walsh. Right. Right. Which right. means it, it goes back it to really Paul does. Brown. It,
0: yeah, sort of. Paul Brown, Bill Walsh, handed to the High, um, and then you go from there. But what Bobby Slowick's offense, it's going to be Bobby Slowick's offense. And it's going to be a, whether it's a complete 100% facsimile of what Kyle was doing in San Francisco, I don't think it will be. I feel like guys like Ben Johnson with the Lions, Bobby Slowick, um, when when they've gotten their opportunity now we don't know with slow but i watch ben johnson with the lions and i think man whatever tree he came out of he's just taking his branches and going building a whole darn new tree yeah because the offense you watch there and you're like that's not an offense i've seen before like i see elements of it but they're doing things that only ben johnson and the lions are doing and so my, my hope is that Bobby will do that here. Bobby will take, okay, here's the genesis of this offense, but we're going to tweak this, and we're going to do this, and you're going to add this. Um, and that's what Kyle Shanahan did. He took what his dad had done. He took what Gary Kubiak had done, and he's like, okay, you did this. We're going to tweak this. And when I think to me the most, the one that I remember the most with Kyle in particular was the throwback off the bootleg where I, don't, I never remembered the Broncos with, with Shanahan. They'd run that bootleg, bootleg all day, all day, all day. And then I remember seeing Owen Daniels, and you know how I watched the game, especially if at the time I would watch it from the press box, and I would see Owen Daniels starting that long over route, yeah. like it's going to be the bootleg, and then and he'd go back the other way. And then Andre Johnson did it. I was like, oh, I like that wrinkle. Yeah. So they're, they're things you build upon. And so Kyle then took that, and when he went to ran his own offense... That's the way you go. I'm hoping that Bobby does that with this offense. He's like, you know, these are the things that we did, but I've got this talent, so maybe we can do this. Maybe we can do something different. But the elements are going to still be there. But I think I'm really curious how Bobby is going to expand this offense and and what especially that looks like in the run game and all the different wrinkles. Because I think a lot of people think, oh, it's the zone run game. It is the zone run game. But there are so many different intricacies within – that running
1: game i'm really excited to see that what's wrong with the zone run game anyway not not, much pretty effective also what's the sound you just made for the audio cutback or change of direction the whistle yeah that's it yeah that's good i'm gonna use that in the (laughs) play-by-play cuts back I can't whistle like that. <laughs> I can't do it. It is one of the things
0: I. Can, I have no musical ability. You would know you that. Whistle? You have all the musical ability in this in this duo. Yeah,
1: but I can't whistle. But I can whistle. That I can do. I can sing in a certain range. I have about four notes. Oh, say can you? I can stay down there, and it's pretty decent. My kids would get mad at me at the mall. Because they would go off and do their thing. And I was like,
0: all right, it's time to go. And I would see one of them ahead. And I'd just be like, and I would whistle. And, oh, dad, oh, they why? Like Especially when they're teenagers. Because that would that would embarrass them and embarrass them uh, in the absolute correct way. From a defensive perspective, you know, we haven't talked too much about that. I think you, you mentioned this last night in talking about Jimmy Ward. I think Jimmy Ward, I don't think it's going to be a Jonathan Joseph quite impact because I don't. I mean, Jonathan was younger, um, and he was one of the top corners in the league at that point. Jimmy's been in the league for a little bit, and he plays plays safety. That said, I think Jimmy Ward can have a really significant impact on this defense. What about Petrie alone? Well, yeah, Petrie alone. Not that he needs it, but the benefit of that. Right. Exactly. And you can just see as as, watching Jimmy. Just he understands. He knows this. You can tell he knows this defense. Because he knows where he needs to be, so he might be doing some disguises or you know bluffing, and he knows to get back to his spot. He knows where he's to. You can tell everybody's kind of people are starting to think through this um, a little bit, and which is okay. I mean, you got you got to think through it, but it's got to become rote memory. Like, okay, I see this, I do this, as opposed to wait, I saw this, okay, what do I do? You, it's got to be rote memory, and I think it will be. But I think the addition of Jimmy Ward has an impact felt all across. I mean, just. Corner position. I think Derek Stingley has helped by having Jimmy Ward there. I think Jimmy Ward helps Jalen Petrie unbelievably. I think that Jimmy Ward helps the linebackers, whoever is going to be calling plays in the middle, whereas it's Denzel Perryman or Christian Kirksey, or maybe even Henry Toa Toa, who knows? He's going to help those guys. Um, and I think eventually, because of what you can do with Jimmy, I think he might be involved in a blitz game too at some point. So he's going to help that defensive line as well communicating with them. I think Jimmy Ward can have an impact maybe using the Daniel Manning impact. Who's
1: the Jimmy Ward of the offense? Is it Robert Woods?
0: I think that's probably probably true. I think maybe the other one would be Dalton Schultz. Okay. And and you know when Dalton really becomes ingrained in this offense, I could be, I think it could be Dalton Schultz because I think he's going to be such an outlet for for cj and the things that dalton can see to just relay hey this is how they're playing us up here and he's got the experience i just think those guys that that on the interior passing game you know be it the um you know the slot receiver types you know the the julian edelman types uh you know elijah moore when he was kind of a slot receiver at the jets and you know dalton schultz those guys that kind of do all that stuff in the inside i think they give you and give quarterbacks a really good snapshot of what they're seeing yeah. Like, hey, here's what you saw. Here's what they did to me on this. And I think that gives a quarterback, okay, well, that, that must be what, okay, then if that's the case, then this is what they're doing out there, out mm-hmm. in the secondary. Yeah. So I think Schultz can really be that guy that can help um, can help C.J., Davis, whomever, at quarterback, but helping a particular rookie quarterback, just both guys being young, I think Schultz can end up being that guy. But, but defensively, I, it's the combination of Ward and Petrie gets really, really intriguing. And I think both of them can have a real, real high impact on Derek Stingley this year.
1: I would love to have a mic'd up of Ward talking with the other DBs. In the building, outside of the building, just being around how he addresses them, what he tells them. You mentioned Sting, Petrie, two second-year players. Uh, Steven Nelson, haven't seen him out there yet. The farmer's got a lot of farming to do, so we'll see how that goes. It's a key time to farm. But I think there are a lot of coaches on the field here. You have Jimmy, I'll leave guys out, but Jimmy Ward. I think Kirksey has some of that yep. in him. Yep. Uh, I go to offense. Robert Woods. Sure. Chase Keenum. Mm-hmm. There are others as well, but there are a lot of coaches on the field who can really help. I saw Woods over with the quarterbacks today in an individual mental kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. And I think he was the only receiver over there. Yeah. I think he just decided, I'm going to go over there and be with these guys right now. That was pretty cool.
0: When I think about but I just think about a job, anybody's job that's out there and a, and a young person going into a job. And I, I recall first time I was a teacher, I could get through period one and period two. I could get through that. I could kind of fake my way through it in some sense. I could kind of go from. But the things of managing the classroom. How, how do you manage the kids to make sure like total chaos is not going on? How do you get their attention at all times? You know, having a, a teacher next door to be able to say, I'll never forget her, her name was, I mean, I had plenty of them, but Candy Edwards was right next door. And she was just like, you know, if you need help, I'm always here. And I would always kind of, hey, well, what about this student? Or what do you, how do you think I handle this? Just to have somebody there to be able to kind of guide you through those until mm-hmm. you're the person doing that for somebody else. I think that's where Robert Woods is in his career. That's where Case Keenum is in his career. I got all this knowledge. I am still in the game. Mm-hmm. I got to share it. I got to, I got to give this gift, if you will, to to the young players. And so they carry it on. And obviously, you pay it forward. And but that's kind of the way I look at Robert Woods. Like he's taking all that knowledge of you know, think of that that twenty eighteen team that goes to the Super Bowl, even the twenty twenty one team, you know, for the Rams that goes to the Super Bowl, and he could share the things they saw with the young quarterbacks. I. I just think that's so invaluable for young players to have those mentor types, but you got to have the right mentor types, the right guys. And I feel like those are guys that we all mentioned that are the right guys to have.
1: Yeah. I think there are several others. I think when Laramie, you know, gets his foot in the door Mm -hmm. and, you know, not that he hasn't been in the door, but you know what I'm saying? When Laramie gets fully baked into this offense, that'll be another guy. He wore the C last year. I don't know how they're going to handle all that on this staff, this squad, but like I said, it's a young staff. There are some older guys. We're about to talk to one in Chris Strasser. Yep. Not that he's older because he's 59, and that's not old, Johnny. That's, that's not young. Old at your all. life begins at 59. Yeah, but absolutely. I think it's young in energy, but it feels experienced when you're out there watching them operate, and everything is going at a very nice clip mm-hmm. station to station, execution, instruction. All the way around, I don't know how they feel about how they're doing right now, but it looks pretty good to me. Remember when O'Brien got here, and I'm not going to say anything funny about it. I think it's really cool that he went out there with the coaches in April or something before the players showed up, and they practiced how they're going to practice, Right, right. and they just used supporting cast members. I actually wanted to be one of them and run routes, but that didn't happen.
0: It probably wasn't good for us to be out there. But
1: they practiced how they're going to operate. But I think that was O'Brien coming back to the NFL after being in college and everything. I think D'Amico and his staff, they might have done that too for all I know because I'm not sure. But they have this thing running really smoothly Mm -hmm. right now. I know. It's just practice. It's It's practice. I get it. But it's really important to get your timing down this time of year. John McClain will say, I never saw anything in OTAs that... Made me think of anything that was going to happen in the... Whatever he says about OTAs. But it's really important to get timing, and he acknowledges that. Timing, knowledge, in and out of the huddle, stuff that you take for granted when you're watching football being played, that stuff has to be seamless once you get to that stage where you're playing games.
0: That is a great, great point. Seamless. You want things to be seamless. By the time you get back for training, that's the whole thing. You want to get back for training camp, and you just think about stealing a rep today and getting an extra rep because you can go because you're crisper with what you're doing you don't have to stop and do some things or reteach something you steal two reps you steal two reps of practice a couple reps in a walk through all of a sudden you steal 20 reps in a week or uh, do an additional 20 reps in a week and then that just multiplies and before you know it it's all those extra reps that you've stolen because you've got things the way that they're supposed to be and things are, are clicking and you're crisp. And who knows whether that turns into the play you make in the fourth quarter mm-hmm. of, you know, game in week four, um, you know, playing the Jaguars or whatever it might be. Uh, so you're right. That, that, that has stood out to me a lot. There's, this is very much filet mignon, not a lot of fat. Yeah. this is not a, This is not a marbled ribeye, which is good. But that filet mignon is lean and
1: clean, and if you I, get the right like marble. That. You gotta get the right marbled ribeye. Yeah. It's gotta yeah. be a good quality oh, piece right. of meat, nonetheless. Mm-hmm. And you gotta cook it correctly. Don't overcook my ribeye. Yes. Do not overcook it. That is a crime. If although, I order medium, you
0: can't. Although order medium. Ninja would tell you, Antonio right. Smith would tell you, that uh, you definitely be. want it well done. He, he wants would, it well done. He wants. He wanted, I remember reading this.
1: Is it for health reasons or I something? I don't know. He loves a well done steak, which blew me away. I don't want it too rare. No, I'm with you. I want it pink. I like medium plus. Pink, red, that kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, I'm good oh, with that. Oh, you like medium plus? I like medium plus. See, the That's thing, thing is, what I learned when I moved to Texas was medium here is medium rare up north, right? Yes. So very you kind of so. get into that. But sometimes, I don't know. Sometimes I just, uh, look, I'd rather have it too light and then I got to send it back. I'm with right? you. Right? I'm with too you. Too rare and then I got to send it. I don't mind sending it back. Now, when you send back food, yeah, I get yeah. it, but but they acknowledge it. Sometimes I get it, and it's breathing still, and then I <laughs> need it cooked a little bit more. I remember a buddy of mine one time, we were on a work trip. This was before I got back to Houston,
0: and he literally told the waitress, I want you to kiss that on both sides on the grill, and that's it. Oh, my gosh. That's steak tartar. I'm like, oh, I'm, like oh, no, I'm out. I'm out. Yeah. I'm out. But we are out for the time being. We'll be back in a second. We're going to talk to offensive line coach Chris Strasser right here. On Texans All Access. What's happening, everybody? Welcome back to Wednesday issue is of Texans All Access. Glad you're with me, John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter. Mark and I got going so much we completely and totally forgot about joint practice discussion. Man, it was just fun being out of OTA, so we want to talk about that. But Texans going to have some joint practices with the Miami Dolphins here and also at New Orleans for week three, which I'm a little bit surprised. There were some people that asked me, hey, what about New Orleans? I'm like, yeah, typically you don't do that on week three, but you have that bye week in between week three of the preseason and week one of the regular season. So I guess it makes some sense. And so it sounds like that's what the Texans are going to do. So Dolphins, week two of the preseason, uh, a couple days of practice, then play the game I think on Saturday and then go to New Orleans and going to do the same thing. Now, I don't know if it'll be – Two practices in New Orleans, but it does sound like it's going to be two in my uh, two in Houston, Houston Methodist Training Center for the Miami Dolphins. So that'll be some fun. Jalen Waddell, Xavier Howard, um, Devon A. Chain, guys with Houston ties. They were just in Houston this last week, along with Tyreek Hill. Uh, but it'll be nice to see those guys, and that'll be a good test. I think that Miami Dolphins team is going to be very, very underrated. So uh, I think it's going to be a really good football team uh, in the AFC East. So we'll we will see them second week the preseason. New Orleans Saints in. Metairie the third week of the preseason and then it's all getting ready for the Baltimore Ravens one of the guys that will be very instrumental in getting this team ready is offensive line coach Chris Strausser who caught up with us after practice day we had a good time talking to coach take a listen
1: joining us now Texans radio Chris Strausser offensive line coach for your Houston Texans coach welcome thank you great to be here well it's great to have you on so general question here but how's it going so far after you get the gig and you meet your players you're out there on the field with your players how's it progressing so far
2: it's been great you know there's just a lot of really positive energy around here you know a good young roster a good young coaching staff with the exception of uh, coach Barrett and myself we're, we're kind of <laughs> we, we've got a little bit of the wisdom on the staff but um, a lot of positive energy and you know the thing that we all enjoy the most is the players and you know, just the I, the hunger that I sense from these guys, the humility that I sense from these guys, and the desire to be great and win for the city of Houston has been great.
0: Coach, the decision to come to Houston for you, your family, etc. we have not had a chance to talk to you since you know since you got here, but we know coaches make those those moves all the time. It's always happening. But why was Houston the right fit for you to come here at this time?
2: I think the two things that really stood out to me um, were, you know, Bobby Slowick, I had a chance to have some really good conversations with him And have a good feel for what his philosophy was and and what it was that he wanted up front. And that was in alignment with the things that I believe in. And then just having a chance to visit with D'Amico. Just feel really solid about a guy that's got, um, you know, really sharp guy for a fairly young coach in the NFL. um, But has proven a lot. I had a chance to go against him um, a couple times over the last few years and have been very impressed with what I've seen. Coach, what can you tell us
1: about the way things are going to work up front in this offensive system? You mentioned Coach Slowick. How will it work? What can you share with the listeners about that?
2: I think the thing that excites me so much about you know this style of play for the offensive line in this offense is there's this mentality of really taking advantage of our athleticism, both run and pass. And so we're not going to be necessarily just a bunch of big, thick bodies that are trying to take up space. And although we're always trying to move guys in the run game, the mentality is not so much, you know, hey, let's put two bodies on one and move them, but it's more about really speed off the ball and really taking advantage of guys that have tremendous athleticism.
0: Coach, you've been around the league coach offensive line for a long time, but in different spots. For you personally, how is it to learn a new system, the verbiage for you? I mean, you may have heard it a different way. Maybe over here it was sand, over maybe here it was dirt, however you called it. How has that kind of gone for you in just learning the verbiage of how Coach Slowick calls things, how you want things called, and how that merges with your 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 history and
2: and your experience and your knowledge? It's a major challenge. Um, this is my thirty fifth year coaching, and I've had a lot of similarities in the offenses I've been in. This is this is by far the most different. Verbiage that I've been around, mm. yeah. and so I feel like I just need to stay a day ahead of the players this offseason <laughs> while I'm learning it. <laughs> yeah, and but I'm on my I'm on my board um, in my office on the dry erase board half the day, just you know, just writing stuff yeah. down, quizzing myself. I'm really fortunate to have Cole Popovich here with me who's a tremendous offensive line coach, uh, super smart football guy. And so he's constantly, you know, challenging me to be on top of stuff. And and we've been good for each other to really, because it's both of our first times yeah. to learn the system. So it's been great.
0: That sounds like me teaching calculus. Stay one day ahead of the students. Yeah. As long as I did that, I was okay.
1: <laughs> what am I teaching tomorrow? Yeah, you know. Chris Drosser, Texans offensive line coach with us. And you were with the Colts. And, Coach, it's so great to have a converted Colt with the Texans organization because – very well known fact here. I hate the Colts like poison in a healthy sports way. All right, True. they are our bitter rivals. You know, you've been Absolutely. in part of this yes. thing. So, what was it like over there for you? And how does this system differ, if at all? Well, I know it does differ. You just mentioned some of that with what you ran in Indianapolis. You guys had a
2: lot of success running the football and through the air as well. Yeah, we did. And so, you know, that was that was a great opportunity for me. Frank Reich treated me really well. You know all the players, all the staff over there. You know nothing but positive things to say. We get this; we're, it's about winning at this level. And so, when I line up against these guys in the fall, I want nothing but to beat them. Um, but I have a lot of respect for everybody over there, and you know also for the South Division here in the AFC. Right? I know they mm-hmm. do things the right way; we do things the right way, and so that's all positive.
0: Coaches, you're getting ready to kind of put everything together, and you're getting ready for the draft and free agency. How much did you want to look back at what the guys that were going to be here? did previously how much did you want to know about them and what they did on the field in addition to getting to know them as people et cetera, how much kind of background did you go into kind of watching them on film as you got ready to take this job we
2: definitely spent some time doing that as we got ready for free agency just to kind of get a feel for physically how guys play right you know I know they were coached very well by George Warhop and so but I don't know the specific th- things that George was telling them to right, do so right. it's hard for me to evaluate too much but really just to me just to see how well guys bend how well they stay on their feet, how well they change direction, how competitive they are. Those are really the things we were looking at.
1: Is it hard to not get too physical out here in OTAs because you're not in pads and you guys have a lot to
2: work on? It's a challenge. It's a challenge because we all have tremendous pride in what we do. And so for us even as coaches to say anything (laughs) that relates to not being physical and not finishing plays is a huge challenge. That's not the mentality we want to play with. And the great thing is you know, I feel really strongly about our defensive line right now and so both both sides of the ball in the offseason, it's a tremendous challenge to really practice and get better but know how to tempo it down. And so... Um, Those guys are going now on defense, which is great. That's exactly what we need. But we're working really hard at learning how to practice together.
0: Coach, you obviously have a number of vets, but you've also got a few rookies that are added to the group. How is it for you, obviously being new here, but you've got these young rookies that are soaking in every ounce of knowledge from you and your experience with Juice and and Jared in particular?
2: It's been great. Yeah, the rookies are super hungry. Um, It's nice to have really five guys. We've got those two guys and then the three um, free agents, and mm-hmm. so that's a, that's a good group of rookies, and you know, feeling like those guys for sure can contribute and help us be a, become a better offensive line. Um, really hungry guys and, and humble guys as well that fit in the room super well.
1: How do you determine who goes where, what level of the offense? With some of the guys being unavailable, but whoever you have available, do you discuss that with Bobby Slowick? How do you go about that, Coach?
2: It's a little bit of just us just working on playing football right now and not mm-hmm. getting locked into any one specific position. You know, I know sometimes guys think they came out of the womb with LT stamped on the bottom of their <laughs> foot, but not really how it works, right? We just need guys to play football and, and just learn and just figure out the system. And we'd love to get to a point sooner rather than later that, you know, we kind of have an idea, you know, what our, our five and then our, our eight and, and those numbers are. But right now, it's just about guys out competing and learning. At that point, Coach. How much cross
0: training goes on at this time, maybe wanting to, whether it's necessity, you're trying to get through a practice and you maybe not have enough guys at a particular position, or, you know what, I kind of like to look at this guy at this particular position. Do you have kind of that going on during, during OTAs, and, and yep. do you carry that on into training camp at all?
2: Uh, for sure, because it's real. And, you know, the football, for whatever reasons nowadays, it's hard for anybody to keep, you know, those same five guys throughout the, the season. We did it in 19 in Indy, and I think it was the first time it had been done in a long stretch. Yeah. And so we just don't count on that happening. So, um, like I said, there may be a guy that thinks, man, I'm competing for the right guard spot. All of a sudden, he's playing right tackle week <laughs> yeah. three. Yeah. Coach, how do you like Houston so far? How how are you assimilating into the market it's been awesome. Yeah. I mean, it's a very vibrant city. Um, the people have been great. The food's just off the charts. Um, you know, actually, I, I honestly like the weather. I, I prefer um, humidity and all that stuff. So it's been great. You've been, and, and the other part about for me, being my 35th year coaching here, is football's king. And so to have mm-hmm. a chance to live at a state where football's king is tremendous. When I got married um, 33 years ago, my wife said, um, Jokingly, but she said, uh, "There's two places I'm not going, and one's Florida, the other's Texas." And so now here we are in Texas, and she actually couldn't be happier. Right, this is a, this is a great thing for her to have a chance to see what type of city this is. Coach, the coaching staff,
0: just you talked about being kind of the 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 OG of the group uh, of the group with Danny Barrett as well, and we obviously know Danny. We know what that's like but how much energy do the younger guys give you um the fact that you see them and how you know
2: energetic they are every single day that they're coming because they haven't been through quite the grind that you have over the years Oh, well, it's a challenge right trying to keep up with them but not letting them know that i'm struggling to keep up with them and so <laughs> it, it's been great yeah i mean just a bunch of young guys that are um that have great energy but also take a bunch of pride in what they're doing it's not just fake energy how much
0: will the offensive line room fine you for doing this interview
2: i'm, I'm hoping word doesn't get out <laughs> If at all. Shh. If at all. Yeah. That's we on the down low.
1: We won't tell anybody. Chris Strasser, offensive line coach for the Texans. Couple of more quick ones. You've been to a bunch of different places, like Johnny said. What was it like being in Boise? Because you were there, you left, you came back, and that was glory days of Boise State
2: football. What was it like being there on the blue field coaching those guys? Oh, it was tremendous. I really feel like that was kind of my uh, my baptism into championship level football. And it was just such a great opportunity to be at a place that cherishes football like they do. And really the whole mission for all we did there was just to try and do things the right way. And we knew if we did, we had a chance to win games and we won a lot of games there. Okay.
0: Answer this rumor. This has been a rumor out there for a long time. Ducks would fly into the football field because they couldn't recognize it between the water. Is that true or false? It's a great rumor. Why would I squelch that? Okay. All right. Oh, just leave it alone like that? That's good.
1: Okay. Oh, my gosh. I
0: love it. All right.
1: And you went to Chico State. So give the Chico State Alumni Association
2: something to smile about right now. Tell me something unique or good about Chico State. Well, I say the biggest thing is we're undefeated in football since 1994. Because they dropped the program. Oh, yeah. so That's a, that's a somewhat <laughs> positive. But, yeah, Chico's a tremendous place. Uh, my wife went there. My daughter went there. Uh, a lot of good memories there.
1: All right, Coach. Thanks a lot for joining us. Best of luck.
2: Thank you, guys. That was fun
0: to catch up with one of the OGs of the coaching staff. Man, it's weird to say. He's 59. I'm 51. Does that make me an OG? I don't know. I feel like I'm young at heart. But either way, great stuff there with offensive line coach Chris Strouser. It's going to be good to catch up with him. I loved his thoughts just on everything. Very, very measured, very thought out. And, yeah, he didn't short answer us. Always like that. When we get a coach on the first time, sometimes you get that short answer, and you're like, "Uh, okay, w- what are we going to do? No, he was perfect. Absolutely perfect. Uh, had a good time talking off the air about Boise State. I got talked on the air about Boise State for a while, but glad he's here with the Houston Texans. Coming up, it's a little in the lab. Yeah, Drew and I talked a little bit more about OTA number two that we were allowed to see this week. That's next right here in Texas All Access we want got one final segment of this edition of Texans All Access. John Harris here alongside my in-the-lab partner, Drew Doherty. Let's talk about OTAs. Drew, let's go.
3: In the lab time right now, Drew Doherty, John Harris coming at you on another day of OTAs. It's Wednesday. So normally you and I do this on a Tuesday, but because OTAs were today, because you and I talked with and Mark Vandermeer talked with and DP Sidhu talked with and the rest of the media talked with, every single coach and assistant coach, Got a lot to discuss, so we wanted to hold off on that. And I want to get some quick impressions from you. I'll give you some of mine on some of these coaches and some of what you've seen today. But the overriding thing, even without looking at a single practice and knowing the history of these these coaches and what they've done and the the lineage from which they come on both sides of the ball, this team's going to be better simply because of the coach. This team is going to be better this year, but specifically. You said off air, people don't know, but this offense is going to be a lot better than they think it, or than they think it should be. It's just going to be better than what we've seen around here in a long time. I agree, but why are you saying that? I think we we talked about the word precision Mm -hmm. and how precise Bobby
0: Slowick's going to want this offense to be. It's just his experience in it, and not that not that other coaches aren't. And you know, sometimes when you talk about precision, you're like, okay, well thing the game's not always going to be crystal clean you know you're going to have to deal with the dirty but i think the more precise you are in how you do things you can dictate when it turns dirty and or or not um and i'm not talking dirty like illegal i'm just talking about yeah man you're seeing a front you're not used to you're seeing a coverage that's a little different that kind of thing so things will things will get dirty and, but to help you get through those tough times you've got to be precise and i see that i feel like there's a crisp nature to the offense sometimes yeah. the word crisp is hard to say You can really emphasize the p and then that gets spit all over your computer and whatever but well i noticed that last week it just it's in the,
3: the drills being run yeah. with the two quarterbacks throwing, one rotates out one who was on the you know watching comes in and they the other guy slides over yep. just that alone i've noticed how much crisper things are
0: there was a video that posted of of an NFL team and they were they were working routes and they were just routes on air. And I'm sure it was cut to kind of show the point that the Bucks quarterbacks maybe seen, maybe are struggling or whatever. Every every group of quarterbacks struggles sure. at various times. So I mean, I understand it. But they showed about 4 or 5 routes that were just not not well thrown. I know it's on air, but you watch these three quarterbacks throw the football and the ball barely hits the ground. I mean, all level of routes. I'm not, I mean, it's now that's on air, but that's, that's what it should look like. It should look crisp. The route should be run. Well, the ball should be perfectly placed. And that's what I get. And so when I saw that video and I think in my mind of what I've seen at OTAs, I'm like, wow. Okay. That's different than what we're looking at and what we've seen here. So that's a really great start. But I think one other thing, Drew, that's kind of stood out, just um, Mark and I talked about this uh, kind of for our observations for, for radio for Wednesday night, younger guys, week one to week two. We always talk about year one to year two, week one to week two, like the transition and the progress. The first time they do something, you know, preseason game one to preseason game two. Week one of OTAs versus week two of OTAs. Mm. In particular, the rookie wide receivers. My goodness. Between Jared Wayne, uh, Xavier Hutchinson. Jared Wayne's catch today. That oh was incredible, was That he was amazing. Happened right in front of me, about yeah. 10 feet away. It was
3: amazing. Over the shoulder. I mean. He can over his right, but he comes back over his left. He cradles it in, brings it in, gets yep. it out both feet in bounds. Phenomenal. A and then a few plays later, Hutchinson just snags one over the middle, all hands, yep. no body, yep. as he's diving, and we really, really exceptional cast, catch, and Tank Dell just continues to be Tank Dell. Yeah, I mean, continues Tank— Continues to be very impressive as well. He just moves at such a different pace, you know? It's such a different—when you just
0: watch just the rhythm of him doing something, and you're, like, watching everybody else, and you realize, kind of like I did at the Senior Bowl, man, everybody else is on 44 RPM, 45 yep. RPM, and he is 78, and he's moving. And he just has to get accustomed to making sure that that's always under control so that he can make the catches moving at that rate. And he's done that, but now it's got to be done at a higher level. But, But those three guys in particular have really, like, wow, they really stood out to me.
1: And in all honesty,
0: back to being live, they have to. Those three have to. Xavier Hutchinson, Jared Wayne, Tank Dell, they need to get something from, I think, all three of those guys, including Wayne, who is an undrafted free agent. It's going to be a, a tough, tough decision a to wide receiver. But if this team is going to do things, talking about 8, 9, 10 wins, you know, some people have some expectations for this team now, I think. Those receivers have got to step up, and they've got to do some big things, and hopefully they will. A big thanks to Drew, to Mark, to Coach Strausser for joining us, to all of you for listening. Thank you so much. We'll see you tomorrow, everybody. And as always, go Texans.